it's SCWCT. I'm Chef T, your host. We're going to cover the news today in a few different topics, guys. We're going to start with the first topic covering how blockchain can reduce a supply chain's carbon footprint. Then we are going to be covering COVID-19 herd immunity. There's some articles on that as well over at sdcexact.com. And lastly, uh, eliminating type 2 diabetes. This article is found on Healthline. Pretty cool article, actually, you guys. Um, the future is here, and we're going to see some changes over the next couple of years. Well, probably probably a little bit longer than that, but at least in the next decade or two. I was going to say a couple of years. I mean, you'll definitely see some changes within a couple of years for sure. But stuff like uh, being able to edit a particular, uh, I guess, gene out of your or in, in not maybe it's not a gene but like it's called gene editing where i guess they go in and they extract extract or take out or edit out however you want to word it i'm not sure the, the proper term in, um, to it but it's basically take out that uh, i think it's a protein receptor or something like that that's linked to whatever disease or uh, chronic issue that the person is actually dealing with. Let's get into this news quickly. Gonna keep this short and sweet today. Got a lot going on and hmm, let me see here. Hold on one second. Uh, I just wanna uh, actually, I'll start with, start with the carbon footprint. Actually, I think I might have mixed this up a little bit here with my, my links here. You know what? I think it might be, I thought it wasn't the Wall Street Journal. But you know what? Let's let's tap into that. Back, back, uh, back by White House. Wow, that's so weird. Anyway, sorry guys. Um, I had a different link, and apparently I double linked something else. And double link that I found is not there. Anyway, uh, Wall Street Journal scientists push back on herd immunity approach to COVID-19. I'm pretty sure they're gonna have similar content wording to what I saw. But basically, a, a group of scientists is pushing back on renewed calls for herd immunity approach on COVID-19 called the method of managing viral outbreaks dangerous and unsupported by scientific evidence. So 80 doctors and public health and medical researchers call herd immunity approach a dangerous fallacy in a letter published Wednesday the researchers noted that it is still unknown how long recovered patients might be immune from the virus. Since the letter was published, more than 2,000 others have signed it in a show of support. This comes after White House officials outlined a federal strategy for dealing with coronavirus in a call last week with journalists pushing for a full reopening of society and citing a document written by three scientists that espouses immunity through natural infections. So Scott Alice, a radiologist and one of the president's coronavirus advisors, toted uh, the document during a television interview Thursday. We just had a declaration written and the thrust of the declaration is exactly aligned with the president. That is opening schools, opening society and protecting high risk people the seniors he said so the document called the great barrington declaration promotes an approach it calls focus protection which pushes for young healthy people 
to live life normally and get infected to build up immunity in the population while working to better protect high-risk groups such as the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions like obesity and diabetes. So as immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including vulnerable, falls. The document said, we know that all population will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e. Uh, the point at which the rate of new infections um, is stable. And this can be assisted by, but it is not dependent upon a vaccine. So basically the goal should be, what they're saying therefore be, to minimize the mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. So most scientists, including Anthony Fauci, the Trump administration's top infectious disease expert, pretty much says he's completely against this. Uh, his words, never in history of public health herd immunity been used as a strategy for responding to an outbreak, let alone a pandemic. It is scientifically and especially problematic. This is what he's saying. The World Health Organization director. Uh, General Tedros Adahaman, I think that's how you say it, sorry. Um, so there's no uh, there's no debate, said uh, Ashlish Ja, Dean of Brown University Public Health, School of Public Health. What they're calling for would, would just lead to many hundreds of thousands of Americans dying. So the solder goes pretty long. I want to scroll down just a little bit here. So despite publicity embracing the Great Barrington Declaration, Dr. Atlas in a statement denied he and the White House have ever advocated for achieving herd immunity through community spread. So they go on to say, we empathetically deny that the White House, the president, the administration, or anyone advising the president as pursued or advocating for any strategy of achieving herd immunity by letting the coronavirus infection, infection spread through the community, he said. The three authors of the declaration met at the American Institute of for Economics Research, a libertarian-leaning think tank in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, uh, to create a video discussing herd immunity and the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the document's official website. The think tank supplied the means for them to record the video of the website, he said. Afterwards, the authors decided to write a short document, documents uh, summarizing their thinking. So uh, the authors of the document, which gets its name from where it's written and signed and, and include Martin Kolderif, uh, a professor of medicine of Harvard Medical School, and Jay, uh, another professor, his last name is extremely long, and I'm going to push her in. So basically another professor of medicine at Stanford University Medical School. The third one, another uh, um, epidemiologist from Oxford University. So most epidemiologists estimates it would take much more than that, between 50% to 70% for a population to reach herd immunity. A study published in The Lancet in September found that less than 10% of 28,500 blood samples from dialysis patients across U.S. tested positive for coronavirus and antibodies. So the herd immunity strategy, um, the paper outlines, hinges on separating those who are vulnerable from those who aren't. 
in an email, another doctor said uh, beefing, uh, beefing up testing and providing personal prote uh, protective equipment to vulnerable workers also are part of the focus protection approach. So it looks like scientists and public health experts agree those are important elements of prevention, but they note that it would be impossible to identify and separate those who are vulnerable from the rest of the society. In some regions, up to 30% of people have underlying conditions that make them susceptible to hospitalization and deaths from COVID-19, they say. And many older, more vulnerable people live in homes with their healthy, healthier children and grandchildren. So this, this is a long article, guys. I'm going to keep this right, right in the bio link here, oh, description link, excuse me. And you can click on the link. There's some great information right here about scientists push back on herd immunity approach to COVID-19. And I, can, I, I completely agree with uh, the approach of pushing back on this. I don't think it's a great idea to go that route. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the next article I have here set up for you guys. I believe, yep, this one is from Healthline. Uh, new procedures could eliminate the need for insulin for some type 2 diabetes. So more than 34 million people in the United States currently have diabetes. This is more than 10% of the U.S. population. While insulin, the primary way of treating and managing diabetes, has been around for more than a century. Skyrocketing insulin prices in the past decade have led to desperate actions from people with diabetes. Some have made caravan trips to Canada and Mexico, current countries that offer much cheaper versions of the same drugs sold in the United States. Others have died from rationing their supply of a drug they couldn't afford. So how, however, a new procedure could eliminate the need for insulin for millions, millions of Americans with type two diabetes by restoring guys, restoring the body's ability to produce and regulate insulin naturally. Uh, the procedure is basically called DMR. The outpatient procedure involves inserting uh, sort of like a, I guess a cattler in some way, the first part uh, of it, um, first part of the intestines and then, oh, the duodenum, uh, the first part of the intestines and then obligating or destroying mucosal cells that have changed in the process of personal develop, um, person develop, developing, excuse me, diabetes. So destroying these tissues allow the mucosa uh, to regrow new healthy cells. So in a new pilot trial out in the Netherlands, researchers said 75% of insulin dependent people with type 2 diabetes no longer require insulin six months after a DMR procedure was conducted. The rest of the participants saw their required insulin doses drop by half according to the research. So in addition to basically lowering insulin resistance, study participants also saw significant, significant reductions in body mass index scores from an average of 29. kilograms per square meter at the beginning of the study to 27.2 uh, kilograms. Uh, they also nearly have the percentage of fat in your livers after six months. So from eight, 0.1% to 4.6%. The results of the Dutch study are paving the way, 
paving the way for a new multinational trial further exploring the efficacy of the technique with 300 people worldwide, including participants at 25 U.S. testing sites. They go in, they, they further go into minor surgery with major implications. And lastly, I think actually that's about it. They pretty much cover it. was really interesting because they talk about the origins of the DMR technique came after observing that people who had gastric bypass procedures often found themselves cured of the type 2 diabetes. The first way is to show that you can do a procedure on the gut, not even touch the pancreas and have and have the opportunity to cure type 2 diabetes. That's a major sort of mind-blowing um, paradigm shift in terms of how to think about treating a disease that you thought was a chronic disease, but you can actually uh, make it go away with an intervention on the gut. Really interesting stuff, guys. Really interesting, interesting stuff. I'm going to, uh, again, I'm going to have this link in the bio. Um, keep saying bio. Description for you guys. So click that link so you can read further. There's a few other things in here. And what I like about Healthline, they have, they, they typically always uh, link you back to some great um, science, factual uh, information. So if you wanted to get into the science, you wanted to actually see the, the reports, it's a good website to go to. All right, and lastly, I'm gonna cover, well, I have the link up here, I just wanna transfer this over. So basically guys, what, what I do is I have, I, I, use, uh, I use notes and I write down all my links and my notes for the next upcoming podcast. And apparently in notes, I just, basically had the wrong link for a couple of, of these articles that I actually pulled up. Anyhow, there there is there is um one second, sorry. Just want to make sure I cover this link here. I got the sciences, I covered the sciences link. I think that's a great link about COVID-19 for you guys. So make sure you check that one out about the hurt. Herd, immune, herd immunity for the COVID-19. That, that, like I said, that one, that one was found in sdcexec.com. And it seemed like they have some pretty good information. I, I don't, I don't really. I just typically go to Google, go to news, and kind of pick what makes sense to talk about and what's relevant, and go from there. All right, so the last one here, blockchain Blockchain uh, can reduce, how blockchain excuse me, can reduce a supply chain's carbon footprint. So this one is awesome. You know, sometimes I get confused with this. As, actually, this is a pretty easy read. This is pretty short. I'm gonna say it's long, but they have a lot of, so when you look at it like on your mobile phone, sometimes it, it could appear to be longer than usual. But anyway, to reduce the carbon footprint on the oil and gas supply chains, companies must be able to accurately and repeatedly collect and track reliable and trusted data. So uh, I believe it's this week or last week, 
that I think it's this week actually, it's FinTech week. So there's a lot of blockchain crypto companies that get together every year around this time and just pretty much talk about the industry and where things are going and stuff like that. IMF also had some um, talks. I'm not sure if it was at FinTech or not, but IMF also had some really big talks about the carbon footprint. Seems like the carbon footprint and gender equality is like the narr narrative that's being pushed on how things should be moving in terms of just growth and you know especially in the, especially in the financial sector and stuff like that which will trickle down and affect everything else so you can google google imf's uh i don't know recent talk or imf carbon footprint and i'm sure the recent news will come up and you can listen to the videos there's a lot of huge technological changes that's literally happening right now you're probably not hearing it on like the big massive uh news channels because their focus is on different things um but but, but behind I, i'm not I shouldn't even say behind closed doors but in in front of us but not in front of us i don't know <laughs> these technological changes are happening so check it out make sure you make sure you're up to date with what's going on you should know especially if you're going to be investing your money or if you already have your money invested as well anyhow uh so the most major oil and gas players have been announcing emissions cutting programs yet there is a little to no information about how these companies intend to achieve stated goals. To reduce the carbon footprint of the oil and gas supply chain, companies must be able to accurately and repeatedly collect and track reliable and trusted data. As an effort, as efforts and incentives escalate momentum from fossil fuels to clean, green, and renewable energy sources, legacy companies must showcase their abilities to make headway on emissions targets. So blockchain offers not only the ability to retain a record or uh, immutable tr uh, truth across real world actions by multiply players, but it can also enable companies to pioneer new ways to improve ecological compliance benefits across the industry's supply chain. So they get into smart contracts. I'm not really going to get into proven applications, but you know, that talks about CO2 emissions and claim credits improvements. Um, further, further down, they get into blockchain and smart contracts, LEN and immutable systems of trust that can be applied to tracking data and sharing records with authorized agencies. So this whole new blockchain movement, obviously, yes, things will be tracked. The whole purpose of it, the narrative narr narrative of it is, um, you know, KYC, if you don't know, um, know your customers, basically that's what it stands for. Um, and being able to, uh, you know, cybersecurity is going to be used. Blockchain is going to be used. Yes, there's going to be a lot of watching and, and to prevent a lot of the, uh, you know, just the, you know, the crazy terrorist stuff that's been going on and using money for whatever illegal activities, you know, stuff like that. So yes, it's we're moving into more of a technological era for sure. Um, we that's probably not going to change if you don't know this already. So I think it's just wise to continue now. <laughs> if you weren't doing it for the past 
five years where it's been happening longer than that. But especially now, since COVID-19 is sort of like many people say the perfect storm to shift the system or adjust the system or reset the system is probably the, the appropriate word that many people are using. Um, I think it's yeah, I think it's really important that you guys just if you're not paying attention to this, start paying attention to it because eventually you will be affected. It's already happening now, so you're being affected already. So just yeah, you, you want to be on top of what's going on, especially just stuff that's not being mentioned all the time like this. Anyhow, this is great news. Uh, the article gets also gets into a chain reaction for change. And, you know, it, it, it's just the, just the whole summary of the conclusion of that article is, and even, even in the IMF um, meeting this week, they were talking about, I believe it's like in the next 10 years, I, I think every single company has to be carbon a significant amount of carbon reduction and if not you probably I guess I don't know if they're gonna say you can't operate and can't do your job whatever um, I, I do think I think it's important that we really start to pay attention to global warming man um, I, I think it's important you know there's there there is a significant effect on our our earth if on on if we continue to practice the behaviors that will exacerbate the global warming move um, global warming period. So um, I think it's important that we start to make the necessary changes to our lifestyle for sure. Uh, we'll probably see more. Depending on the direction of our country, one direction will probably see more jobs in creating more of a sustainable world through solar panels and electric cars, stuff like that. Cannabis is going to be a part of that. I can see, you know, growing hemp and all that stuff. It's uh, less, it's less CO2 involved in terms of the, um, actually growing. I believe that's that's it. And if I was wrong, please correct me. Um, yeah, yeah. More sustainable farming. We're going to definitely see more plant-based movement, for sure. More science, lab meat making, basically meat making meat in the lab versus butchering an animal. So, yeah. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff coming up. And... Looking forward to covering the rest of those news along the way, keeping you guys informed as best as I can. But at the same time, click those links, guys. Just don't believe what I read. Don't believe what other people read. Do your research. It's important. And at the same time, it's important for your brain to read. So continue. Continue reading, research, and do what you have to do to keep that brain strong. Because that would help keep you strong. Guys, stay safe. Thanks again for joining me right here on SCWCT. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace out. Thank you.